Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the outdoor update, I will discuss the up- upcoming NC Wildlife Turkey Seminars and the recent re- recently released Nanahala Pisgah Forest Plan Draft. In our own target segment, Instructor One from Riker USA shares his points on the importance of having a med kit. In the rock, mud, and dirt, Brian interviews Bryant from Dead Man Off-Road. And then we wrap up the show in typical fashion with a cup of joe. The Route 16 Grind, Episode 14. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by C-State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. Welcome to the Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, Brian and Chuck. Chuck, welcome back, brother. What's up, man? Oh, it's been a while, dude. Hey, yeah, we missed a couple shows there, but hey, it yep. had to be. I had some uh, family things that came up and uh, just had to answer those things first. Sorry, guys. But yeah, Chuck, we missed each other for a couple of weeks there. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, how did that one event you go? You went to the uh, public meeting, right? Oh, yeah, the, that uh, the Sunday hunting public meeting. It was pretty interesting. Uh, not a lot of opposition there at the meeting that I went to. Some of the others was a different story, but uh, no, it was mostly the hunting community. A few few bikers were there, or uh, I should say mountain bikers, not like Farley <laughs> guys. Be- yeah, the bearded leather guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, it went well. So far, it looks like the meetings have turned out pretty well. Uh, now everybody's just been writing letters to all the commissioners and whatnot. So. Yeah, I know that there's been a... I mean, I know I did it. A couple guys I talked to around here, they have gone on and did the survey and stuff. So, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that. We'll just see what kind of happens there. So, we got to... Uh, uh, you'd be hard. I, it's just hard for me to imagine that, that that they don't open it up. But, like I said, I mean, it'll be two years before it goes into effect whenever they finally make their decision. Because it still has to go through back through the public comment process once it becomes a, a proposed rule change. So... The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update. 
the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent goings-ons in the outdoor world. To kick it off this week, I've got a little bit of information that goes out to new hunters and old hunters alike. Uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission and the National Wild Turkey Federation will be putting on 11 turkey hunting seminars across the state. Uh, these are open to anyone who would like to attend. The only stipulation is you do have to go online and register. And these seminars, they're a perfect opportunity for anyone that has been interested in the getting, getting into hunting. Uh, they're packed full of information. And you'll you'll be able to take this, use this as an opportunity to to gather the information and then take it out into the field just a couple weeks later when turkey season opens up. And it's also, even if you've, you've been turkey hunting for a while, you would, you'd also benefit from going to these because you're going to gain some knowledge just from having all of these, I guess there's going to be pros there that are, that are turkey hunting aficionados. You're going to have NC wildlife folks. It's going to be all kinds of people there just to pick their brains and get some information from. And I think really turkey hunting is the perfect way for somebody to take up big game hunting especially in North Carolina, just because the opportunities to hunt turkeys are so abundant. And in my opinion, it doesn't really get much more exciting than turkey hunting, especially on a good day. So, so if, so if you're, even if you're taking somebody out who's never hunted before, I think the, the turkey hunting's great because you get to talk, you don't have to sit there and really get bored. But when the action, when you're in the action, it's, it can be on fire and it can just make it that much more addictive whether you get an animal or not. It's just it's one of those deals to where I encourage everybody to try it. I really push new hunters towards turkey hunting. Uh, it, it it can make the – going and sitting in a tree stand all day long and not seeing anything can make you seem like a failure. But going out and hearing some turkeys gobble and at least having a couple interactions with them kind of gets the confidence up. And it also, like I said, it lights a fire. It gets people wanting to go back. So we've put a – link in the show notes to the press release from the NCWRC and it details all the information about how to sign up and it gives the schedule and lays out the the 11 locations where they're having these so I highly encourage y'all to click on that and check it out if you're interested and you're in the area and want to go so now recently the National Forest Service they re- released the draft Nanahala Pisgah forest plan and each national forest across the country has a management plan in place that covers a, a wide range of management objectives for that particular area. And a lot of times what it does, what these plans will do is they, they divide up the national forest into different management zones and whatnot, just because they all, it can be a unique landscape or it can have something in it that makes it a little bit more difficult, or maybe it's a high traffic area with, for people coming in and utilizing the land and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of a diverse uh, management plan that they have to put in a place and they upgrade these every 15 years. And these plans are put in a place in order to, to benefit all users. And so with this Nanahala and Pisgah forest plan with the revisions that they're, they're, they're tackling a multitude of, of different issues, whether it's for coming, you're talking about wildlife management in terms of habitat and or non-game species and habitat management, or even use. Like I know one area of concern or, or area of focus, I should say, is the Linville wilderness to where they are making some changes and possibly limiting the 
the number of permits handed out. Cause right now you have to have a permit to go in and camp overnight on the weekends and certain other days of the week, uh, or days of the year, I should say, not days of the week. And it's limited. I think, I think how it lays out, you're limited to three total days, two days overnight. So you've got to be in and out. And, and I think it's up for a group of 10. seems like if I remember correctly, and you're only allowed like one permit a month for, for a given group. So it's things like that that this plan is going is going to tackle. It'll go into timber management. Uh, it evaluates some the ecological sustainability, uh, different wilderness areas. If there's a wilderness study area, and and its impacts and its benefits of becoming wilderness, it exactly how the boots on the ground management proceeds. Just it's it's a lot of stuff. It it can be a ton. Of, of information especially if you're if you're not necessarily versed in it the national forest service they put out a two-minute video that discusses the revisions and discusses kind of what the plan's about if if you would like a better explanation because i'm well aware that i'm probably doing a terrible job i'm just like this is a thirty thousand feet explanation of it. It, it it you can find lots of information on the national forest service website uh, through the USDA and we provided a link to that in the show notes and I really encourage you to check it out. But one of the big reasons that I'm bringing it up is the draft plan, like I mentioned, is available and the engineering impact statement, which they also have to conduct is uh, or environmental impact statement, which is typically done by an engineer is something that they have to conduct and they have to put it up for public review and for a comment period. And with this being such an elaborate plan, the comment and review pe- comment period is is a little bit longer than what you typically see, or at least what I see on some other things. But the period is open from February 14th to March 14th, and they're looking for very specific comments. They've also issued some additional press releases and and some some I guess little snippets of what they're looking for in these comments and what they want to hear from folks, and all that's detailed on the Forest Service website. So if you'll go check it out, this is really vital uh, moving forward for North Carolina as a whole and 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 our forest in the mountains. It, I'm, in my opinion, they have they have been mismanaged, and it's not really any fault of the Forest Service. There are a lot of outside interests that impact how these things are managed. A lot of people are, are operating on these preconceived notions. You don't cut trees and and all this other stuff, and I I totally get it. It's it's understandable, especially based on. Like, well, what was done back uh, when the forest industry was booming in the mountains and it was clear cut and essentially we all went scorched earth for economic growth. Uh, But now the the forest are back and it's not always necessary for it just to be purely old growth forest. We need some diversity. And that's kind of why this plan is important to me. And it's why I'm. I'm encouraging many people to go out there and, and read it and look into it and, and not necessarily just to comment, but I would like for folks to really familiarize themselves with, with forest management and why the forest service is doing the things they're doing everywhere from trying to limit traffic to trying to cut trees and do these controlled burns and doing like these, these wilderness areas and for these, why these wild and scenic rivers are so important and the things that they're doing for just overall ecological sustainability in these areas and to, and to prevent the erosion and to prevent the impacts that we're having on it. And also to manage the natural resource in a sustainable manner to where we can go in and, and extract some of these resources and it benefit the whole ecosystem as a whole. 
So, like I said, I appreciate it if you check it out, look into it a little bit more. I encourage the folks outside of North Carolina, if, you, if you're close to a, a national forest, something you frequent a good bit, check out the management plans for them. They have them. They're out there. It's, it's public record. It's, it's on the National Forest Service website. So, go check them out. You know, Chuck, I think one of the big things uh, I kind of look at, if you want to know, get involved. A lot of these areas, like especially out here, I mean, a lot of things are done by volunteers. Um, there isn't enough resources right. with a lot of, you know, the National Forest Service. A lot of these management agencies rely on volunteers. And when you get out and volunteer, you interact and also you learn and understand you're not getting the side chatter or the, you know, the tube or someone telling you how to think, but you're getting an understanding of that ground, why there's an approach of a certain way, why there's a management in a certain way. And you're able to kind of grasp the details of it, not just getting the high points on a Facebook post or something. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things is people do not get into the details. Um, and I'm kind of looking at that like on a separate project here in my own town, uh, getting people to get involved in uh, like an augmentation group for volunteering for a variety of different things. And everyone has an opinion, but the opinion people don't have any involvement in Right. You know what? That you can't really be like that. And I think when we're looking at these uh, public property and stuff, get involved, understand it. Uh, don't listen to the noise. Uh, make, formulate your own opinion, and then on top of it, when you have that opinion, you know, make sure that opinion has a solution, not just yeah. noise. And that's the other part. Is like people complain about a lot, but what are you doing to solve it? I can complain too. Yeah. So. No. And 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 I think being being familiar with something is is really the key in the whole thing here. And like with me, this, this forest service plan and everything, it's, it's totally outside of like my, my realm and kind of my sphere. I'm good friends with a guy that, that was assisted in the development of this plan and he was asked about it and stuff. And, and I understand what's going on in the plan and I kind of understand the whys and, and the hows and everything behind it. But like in terms of being, being versed and trying to tell someone like, oh, this is exactly what should happen and all. I, it's 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 not in my wheelhouse necessarily. Uh, but I, I understand from the standpoint of, like, I, the things that I want to see based on the things that I do know. And, like, I want to see more – I want to see increased timber cuts. I want to see better land management. I want to see more animals on the landscape. If it's necessary to limit people from going into impacting areas, that's the things that I want to see moving forward to where – I mean, in, in 15 years when the plans are revised again, maybe it's a maintenance plan and not so much of a, of a, oh, what are we doing? Trying to, trying to uh, like a savior type deal. Right. Not saying that that's what this is, but just in the long run. And, uh, the, the, the forest management to me is, is one of those things from the standpoint of just habitat. When I say forest management, I'm speaking totally outside of this, this plan. I want to, I want to see it managed for habitat. Right, and I want to see it managed for the the ecosystem as a whole. And the fact of the matter is, these old growth forests, they're dead zones. I mean, animals aren't living there. Right. Uh, they 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 need this diversity. They need the edge habitat. They need the scrub brush. They need the cover. They need everything, and they need I mean everything from clear cuts to old growth forest. But realistically, like I said, you going you going in the old growth forest, you're not seeing a lot of wildlife. There's just not there for them. The canopy's too big. Just just no. 
typically these these trees aren't producing the mast. They're not allowing for any browse underneath. It's, there's no cover for like grouse and things. So that's why it's important to me. And and like you said, being being involved. I mean, I brought up um, the the mountain goat thing in the Tetons a while back. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I'm familiar enough to know to make an informed decision and see both sides and, and tell you what I think about it. But here lately, now that it's proceeding forward, I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming out of the people that are in those areas or in the neighboring states that are raising cane and they're furious that they're going in. And I think realistically for me to truly, I mean, I'm not trying to decide for anybody, but for me to interject like my full blown opinion and try to tell somebody this is the way it needs to be done. Well, you got to live there and you got to know. Right. I mean, there are people from Montana that are pissed. They're like, you're shooting these goats. And it's like, how many animals have we exported to your state to help you? And now you're shooting these. Why not send them up here to Montana? And, and, and like I explained about that, it's, it's, it's super. And I hate using the word nuance. Now, um, my buddies listening to this, will understand, but it's, it's one of those deals. It's like, there is a lot of nuance to it. And from the standpoint of, we need to do this quickly. We need to do it now. The quickest way to do it is run a helicopter up. You know, so those folks out there, they understand a lot more just because they're involved and, and they're, they're seeing what's going on firsthand. So they're, they're active and they're, they're, they're more knowledgeable. There's no question that they're going to be more knowledgeable about it than I am. I'm just reading articles and seeing stuff online and comparing it to stuff that I've heard about before. Right. And, and you know, and there's a whole science and even the people that construct the, the articles and the science. And I don't know if you listen to the latest mediators or from getting from, but you know, you really do have to dive beyond the articles because they're trying to sway you one way or another. And I, I like some of the things they brought out with just a different, you know, deer and, and the environments that they're in and how people are trying to sway one one way or another, not really putting all the facts together. And, and that's the other part of it. And yeah, it's it's uh, something you need to dive into and educate yourself in. And I think, too, is open yourself up to if you're opposing an art, if there's an argument opposing your thought that you're at least listening to it and digesting it to, to help you kind of understand. I think that's one of the other parts too. Oh yeah. No, that's a, I mean, that's a really good point. I haven't listened to that whole meteor yet. I started it on the way home, but yeah, ar- articles in, in the traditional sense of the word article, they do tend to be biased. People, people are writing them from, from their perspective and their opinion, um, and and I, I'm, it's it's obviously not intentional, but you can't write stuff. Sometimes it is because it's about well, funding. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah, it, it is. It is. You're right, but I'm I'm I mean I'm trying to give benefit of the doubt too. Yeah, uh, to a lot of people. But it, uh, someone responsible writing an article. I mean, when you're writing an article, I guess if it's an opinion piece, of course, like it's got this big spin on it. But yeah, I think it's really important to kind of look into the. Look into the the information source. That's really where where you get that just the information down to that you get down to the brass tacks. So right. I'm just gonna leave with this one bit. There's one good part in there I loved. He's uh, the uh, gentleman. I think he's from El, uh, Arizona. He's heavily involved. He's like uh, you know uh, a game. War- oh, I'm saying it wrong. A ranger, a, a biologist uh, down there, and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's like yeah, archaeology is a fake science or something. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's, really uh, it's, good. it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Hey, I'll put that episode in our show notes, but you should listen to it. It is really a lot of great knowledge on deer and history and all sorts of stuff. They get in, in the weeds of a lot of things, but uh, check yeah. it out. Oh, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to finishing that one up. 
We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. On target. What's up, everybody? This is Ron Holmes with Riker USA coming to you with your weekly practical tactical update on the Route 16 Grind. And I wanted to talk about one of the most important things that is too often overlooked in almost every single area of life, and that is a medical kit. I'm not talking about the medical kit that you can pick up at the grocery store or you found this awesome backpack full of band-aids and ace bandages for 30 bucks on Amazon. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making an investment in your health and well-being and safety and that extends to everyone in your life. Whether you're an avid gun, uh, you know, a marksman, a shooter, or a hunter, you should have a med kit on you. If you uh, are a big time, you know, off-roader, uh, four-wheeler, Jeep guy, you need a med kit in your vehicle. Things happen, shit goes wrong, and you got to be able to, you know, fix it when it does. Think about what you would do if your Jeep, if you got a flat tire, you know, something catastrophic happened and you're in the middle of the woods. How are you going to fix it? What is your backup plan? Medical equipment is overlooked too often. If you wear a suit and you carry a briefcase to work every day, you should have an IFAC, an individual first aid kit in there. Um, it, it, it's that simple. The medical training is something that I can't stress enough. Now, it's not just about going out and buying the high quality uh, you know, medical bag and saying, oh yeah, I got a med kit and leaving it in your truck. And the first time you go to open it is when you actually need it. You have failed. You have failed to prepare. Uh, you need to also, along with purchasing an, a, a higher end medical kit, you need to purchase and invest in training on how to use it. A femoral, uh, a femoral uh, bleeder, uh, you know, your femoral artery in your leg, you have 90 seconds. You have 90 seconds to apply direct pressure and stop the bleeding before you lose the patient or lose yourself. <clears throat> so think about these things and think about all the other things that can go wrong, pre, you know, getting you up to that point. If you were to come across somebody, uh, you know, out in the woods that had rolled their vehicle over and they were unconscious, what's the first thing you would do besides try to call 911? How would you assess this patient? So all these things go hand in hand with, with the med kit and medical training, just like how you practice with marksmanship, just like how you practice a martial art or boxing, you know, or archery or even, you know, off-roading. You've got to, you've got to make the investment in yourself and in your family, uh, into good medical equipment. I recommend North American Rescue. It's all I use. It's all I've used since I was in the Marines, uh, when I worked for, uh, when I was a government contractor and to this day forward, uh, we don't go anywhere without multiple med kits. Both of our vehicles have a beefed up med kit in there enough to take care of six people. And my backpack, my everyday carry, my laptop backpack has, uh, Two IFACs broken down inside of it. So that goes with me through the airport and everywhere. Because uh, I never want to be in a position where I can't help 
myself, help my family, or help a stranger in the event of something catastrophic. Uh, so again, it's not just about buying the equipment. I'll tell you this too, is if you go to Amazon and you find the cat, uh, three tourniquet on Amazon, it's not North American rescue, even though it might say it is, it's from China and it is not warranted. If you want the, the, you want the legit stuff, go to North American rescue site and, um, and pick up the life-saving materials that you're going to need. Now, the cool thing about this is you don't have to, you know, go all in at once and buy the $800 amphibious trauma kit, which would be awesome for any vehicle. What you can do is start with an IFAC, uh, start with a, a bleed kit, uh, have them in your house, have them in your car, and then you can build on it and piece, you know, piece it together. So the expenses spread out over time. Uh, also keep in mind some of the, 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 the items in there do expire. And, uh, I would also suggest that you get in, when you get it, especially with the tourniquets, take them out of the plastic, uh, medical equipment should be the first thing you pack in your vehicle. It should be the first thing you pack in your everyday carry bag. It should be at the forefront of your mind in everything you do, going for a walk, going for a hike, going on a road trip. You need to have this this frame of mind or this mindset of survival and the ability to uh, to assist and keep people alive until a higher uh, a higher medical authority arrives. So uh, again, get a good med kit, get great training, uh, be prepared, have a plan, and uh, be willing to do something for somebody else with not wanting anything in return. Okay, guys, Ron with Riker USA, and uh, that's your practical tactical tip for the week. See you next week. Route 16 to grind. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. Hey, this is Mickey G, and uh, man, I just caught the show, and for a minute, I thought I was at the wrong channel. Uh, when I heard Tony, I thought I was on the uh, Jeep Talk show, but uh, it was good to see Tony outside of the talk show talking about what he loves the most, himself, and uh, I'm just kidding, Tony. You, I have mad respect and mad love for him. Uh He's, he's made me what I am today. And I like to say that I made his show what it is. And, yeah, I like to say that. Whether it's true or not, who knows. But, yeah, anyhow, it was a good show. Uh, Chuck, that's what happens when you don't show up. You know, you can't, we can't let this continue. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. When Tony didn't have a guest for a Jeep talk show, he would hit me up sometimes like like that night or that day. Be like, hey, can you come on? And I'd get on. So I hit him up when you uh, couldn't make it. I said, hey, man, you want to just come on the show? And when he came on, I don't think he – I think he thought it was just going to be for a segment. I didn't think he was looking at me using him as a host. And it was kind of funny right. when we started. He was like, oh, you want me to do more? <laughs> so he did a great job. I really appreciate him coming on. We oh, had yeah, fun. Man. Me too. I was I was busy. Sorry, Nikki G. I was at the uh, Sunday hunting meetings, 
that I'd already obligated myself to go to. So that's that's why I was out that week. But yeah, no, Tony, appreciate you coming on, filling in for me. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy Manufacturers Adventure Ready Organization and Security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine Warren products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go worn. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt, this segment where I talk about the brands, products, and events from the off-road world. This week, we have Bryant from Dead Man Off-Road. Bryant, welcome to the show, and why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about yourself. Oh, thanks for having me. And um, So, I've been wheeling for about seven years after I moved from the East Coast out to the West Coast. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity out here, and um, so yeah, it's been something that I've started joy- enjoying doing camping and being out there with my family and so that's just me in a nutshell all right hey you got some uh, great things with dead man off-road so i'm just gonna hit it how did you guys get started what's your kind of story there how did you invent that awesome product it all started from a need really so i have four kids and at the time i had a uh, a jeep jk i put a third row into the jk into the seat in, into the back um the trunk area and then a good money of buddy of mine he had um a cj5 and he had three kids and so when we went out we basically were shoehorning kids into these these uh into these jeeps one of the things that we were talking about was like just recovery in general like just well what if we get stuck we're out there by ourselves we don't have a lot of room to carry a lot of gear but we did have a winch and we just wanted to have something lightweight and easy to use or easy to carry mainly be able to, you know, get out in the desert, bury it because there's usually not rocks and trees and that sort of thing around. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. It all started from the idea that we needed something. Apparently, back in the old days, there's there's people who would use uh, sandbags. So, you know, like Home Depot, empty sandbags, would fill up a bunch of sand, throw it, bury it in, the, in a hole and use their winch line to use that as a means of pulling themselves out. And so we're like, well, why don't we just come up with a better version of it? There's no such thing like that on the market. So that's where it all started. I would say better and safer because there there was, uh, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I spent a lot of time out in California, a lot of areas where in the desert where you're just not going to have the vantage of, like out here on the East Coast, there's plenty of pine trees sure. to pull from and think it's uh, an amazing thing. And, you know, as far as when you're doing the test and evaluation of it, how did you figure out how big, small, what were kind of like your, your barriers there 
to ensure that you had a safe product? We to, to ensure that we had a safe product, one of the things that we wanted to do is make sure that we kind of met with or were on par with industry standards for toe straps. A normal toe strap is about 16,000 pound breaking strength, right? So for a single toe strap in a straight line pull, uh, what we wanted to do is just, all right, that's what we wanted to make sure like, okay, one strap would have that kind of capability. But then as you add our product up, if you if you look at our product and you see on the website, we have a breaking strength of over 66,000 pounds in the typical configuration that you're going to use it for. Now, that seems excessive, and it is kind of excessive, but our main thing was that what if, because we market this product to do a lot of other things than just a, a ground anchor. It's You can use it as a winch line extension. That's one of the things that we say. And we were like, okay, if, one, if somebody were to grab just one of our straps, we wanted to make sure that it's on par with everything else. We didn't want to have that to be a breaking strength of whatever, 6,000 pounds, and be something that's kind of dangerously uh, weak. We wanted to make sure that it was safe to use at the very, like, very minimally, you know, just a single strap. Um, and from there, it just kind of comp- compounded up. As far as the size, um, it was kind of a little bit of a, you know, a, a shot in the dark. You know, we, we came up with an idea that felt okay, and then we started testing it, and we started using it, and it really performed very well. And also, from a manufacturing process, it actually uses uh, a good amount of the material from a standard vinyl roll so that we could actually maximize or minimize waste. Uh, that was another big thing, is just making sure that we're using product, we're using materials, we're not throwing away half the stuff as we're making the stuff, but we can actually really maximize the, uh, the usage of the materials that we get. That's a great approach. I, I like that. And it's probably cost efficient as well when you look at it from a manufacturing point of view, too. Yep. Uh, now, as far as the uh, dead man, dead man body bag, how would somebody employ that so our listeners can understand what you created? And, right. of course, we understand how they would use it. But let's talk about the employment of it. Hey, I'm stuck. I'm out in the middle of the desert. How do I use this to get out? So the way we like to talk about the dead man is that it is – your anchor point, right? And so one of the unique things about the dead man is that you can bury it. So, um, but it has a lot of other uses, right? You can use it as a tree saver. You can use it as um, a safe way to wrap around a rock. And so the way, so that, I think that's what strikes most people is that like you can bury it in the desert, but it has so many more uses just beyond just burying the desert. So let's talk about that. Burying in the desert, the way you would do is you just, you, you would, Basically, use these the size of the dead man as a, a, a template of how large of a hole it's you're going to use. So then you would start just burying. It. You just you, you you dig a hole. We in the soft sand, we like to say go around two feet. Um, if it's harder, like if you're doing like a hard pack, or if it's um, something that's a denser material than sand, then you don't have to go quite as deep. You can go like 14 inches or 18 inches or or something um, that you know that feels good because. Uh, the harder the harder the soil, the harder the ground you're putting it in, the, the more holding power it's going to have. With sand being soft, you can go easily get down two feet. You bury it. You keep the straps outside the hole. And then once you have it fully buried, you bring everything together. We have little labels on the side of the straps that kind of show you how to bring it all together. We, we provide a nice little pamphlet that helps um, you can read through and just kind of understand how, like, you bring the, the arms and the legs together and you kind of bind them together with with, um, with these shackles. And that's your anchor point. Now you have a solid anchor point in the ground. And what that affords you is, is flexibility. And so 
you might have a tree that you could grab, but it could be in an awkward position, right? Like it's, it's, if you end up grabbing it and, and pulling yourself, you actually might potentially put yourself in a more dangerous situation. And so this gives you the ability to like, okay, I have the tree, but the tree is going to make it not work that well. So you can move your, your pull, your, where your, your anchor point is to pretty much anywhere because you're not limited to having to grab a solid tree or a rock. And grab the ground if you need to. The first time I saw your product was when it was wrapped around a rock, and I was like, what the heck is that? Right. I compared it to something like it looked like a, a slingshot with four arms, essentially, instead yes. of like two. That's right. And you, you just see this thing that just wraps around. I love the face, too. The logo is awesome. So you just <laughs> see you. this, you know, this face there, and you're like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And I, at first I thought it was, you know, somebody just did some artistic filtering or whatever on a, on a picture. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And I started researching your product. And this was a couple years ago. And I, I just been truly amazed by it. And so far as it, like any great story successes that you've had that, you know, your customers have shared with you on this. Hmm, let's see. There's, there's actually been a few, and it was funny. There's been plenty of people who are just like, I could have totally used your product the other weekend or like, you know, they actually come up to us at, at the shows and, and they say like, Oh man, I really needed this. And, um, for whatever reason, but there was uh, one guy who was telling me that, um, he, there's this, there's a popular place, I believe it's in Utah, or it's in Colorado, it was like a big sandy hill going up, it, and like, it was very popular, a lot of people go down it, and everybody goes up, and it's kind of like a canyon thing, so like, there's a one way, one way in, one way out, but like, people trying to get out of this area, they get stuck all the time trying to get up this hill, and he ended up burying it, uh, using it for himself, but then like, there's a whole train of people behind him, like, how do you, he just ended up using the same anchor point over and over again, I'm like, that's pretty rad that like this that guy is. was able to share it for the whole bunch of other people. That that is really cool to have kind of something like there. And on top of it, it's something recoverable. So when yep. you talk about the tread lightly thing, you know, it, hey, you know what? We're burying. We we'll use it. Uh, we'll recover it, and we'll put the sand back, and then we'll move on. And you don't just make that one dead man the the anchor point. You also get like the whole package, like with your soft shackles and the dead loop as well. Uh, let's talk about those. Sure. Well, soft shackles, they've been around for a little while. And what we like about the soft shackles is there's twofold. First, it's less metal in your recovery system. So if anything were to break, it's just less heavyweight stuff flying around. Uh, so it just right. makes things a little bit safer. But it also works really well with the dead man because the, the, you're bringing a lot of material together when you're doing the grabbing the loops. You can work it with a normal shackle or normal like uh, hard shackle. But uh, it just—it's so much easier just to bring everything together with the with the soft shackle. So that was a big thing why we wanted to really push was both this the safety factor that a soft shackle will give you. It's just as strong. And if you're not familiar with soft shackles, they they, they have ours has a thirty thousand pound breaking strength, and that is not unusual for the soft shackle market. Like this rope, this Dyneema rope is extremely strong, um, and it's surprising like it floats it's a half a pound it's such a lightweight thing it's super easy to use and soft on your hands but it's a very very effective very strong the dead loop is taking the same material and we just kind of of the dynamo and we just made it a one big continuous loop what you can do with that is that you can use it kind of like a shorty strap um where you can just put around something like a slider for instance if you are having to 
you know, your back end of your truck is sliding out over, over a berm or some sort of thing where you not, don't want to pull straight in or out. You can use this to grab it around a slider and you can pull yourself, um, sideways with that. If you have to help a buddy out who doesn't have any good recovery points, you could use something like this deadlift to get up underneath their, uh, into the frame other vehicle and uh, use that as a means of grabbing onto their vehicle to help recover them. I'm just going to be straight up with you. So uh, for years I have been in, in my Jeep and even before then I carried around a static double looped rope that you would mm. use for climbing yep. and stuff. I would use that a lot for what you're talking about because sport cars, uh, the low to the ground, trying yep. to recover one of those vehicles, is it's a bear. You actually have to get under the panel, the spoiler, find the frame. Yep. And this is perfect for that. I was using that. So you, yeah, I, you're just one up ahead of me and uh, made that. So that's a great idea. Really, I was like, oh man. And the cool <laughs> thing about your soft shackles is uh, you also have the rash guards on them as well. Not all soft shackles do that. And you have some. They're like they're really heavy duty. You guys make them really well. Um, Thank you. I've, I've, you know, I've used some other ones a little more built a little bit more modestly, but I, I can see that these are going to be a little more enduring and they're not going to break down as much because of of the rash guard the, the way that you have it i mean it's it's a uh, really well done you brought up a good point when you were mentioning about metal things flying around most of this there is there any metal up on the dead man no no nope. that was another goal of ours is that we just wanted no metal in the system at all and so the only metal thing at this point if you have a synthetic synthetic winch line is just your hook your uh right uh your yeah connection point at the end of the winch line that that right there is pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of safety built in this. You guys really took took it. Uh, uh, I spent a lot of detail in, in thinking about this and, and the safety factor because think anytime you you winch, there's things to be concerned about, and safety has to yep. be one of them. Given that this thing is going to be an anchor point, you're you're building a lot of tension. Yes, that you are. that is awesome. That is really cool. You're right though. Like with the, with the tension, like there's there's potentially five six thousand pounds of tension. You know, if not more going on in that in that rope and they're built to to take that but it is a lot like and, and it's a lot of stored up energy fortunately with synthetic ropes and um you know with the way our, our stuff is made out of polyester um all the dyneema they don't store kinetic energy like a metal object would like or a metal winch line right. those uh, steel winch lines they they can stretch and man when they go they go um and they can seriously take people out um ronnie doll a youtuber he did a great series on um just the the catastrophic effects of a broken steel winch line and it's, it's kind of scarily devastating what happens so certainly check that out if you're interested to see what happens if if a, a normal winch line will let go yeah it's it's not pretty it, it, yeah it's extremely dangerous uh, and you probably do need to see it to really get the full respect of it and, and i agree with that far as uh dead man off-road uh vision what, what you guys uh what's the next step for you guys so right now i think we're just we wanted to really keep pushing the dead man as a whole because it is something that is there's there's a lot of utility to it and i think a lot of people one thing we're trying to just get people to understand is that we're more than just a ground anchor like it's it's an anchor point everybody needs an anchor point if you're going to be doing self-recovery this can do that so really just promoting that but then also just trying to help build people with kits because we've had plenty of people like ask like okay what other things do i need you know they're getting into off-roading they're getting into overlanding and and just being outdoors right they just they want to know 
what are the things that they might need? Because there's so many new people coming in with these vehicles that are just so readily available. And there's so much on the market that it's kind of hard to pick through everything and say, okay, what is the right things that you, you want to do or need? And so what, that's what we're also trying to build out and just trying to help people to, to say like, okay, you know, this is, this is the stuff that we highly recommend that we've done. We've tested many, many times on our travels and purposely getting stuck over and over again. So that's, that's our, what we're, our vision for dead man is just to kind of help be a source of learning about recovery and providing the tools for the recovery. You kind of hit on it and I, I want to kind of elaborate. You absolutely can customize your purchase. You go to deadmanoffroad.com. You can look at their products. If you're one of those guys like, hey, I kind of need everything. Uh, I need the dead man. I need uh, some shackles. They even, they're partnered with Crazy Beaver so they can get you a shovel. So, yep. And that's a great shovel. We're going to get those oh, guys on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. A fantastic shovel. They can actually build a, a, a no-kidding recovery kit for you, and you can get it at one place, and you can count on it. And you're only dealing with one uh, manufacturer, if you will. So that I like the fact uh, that you do the customize. Hey, you know what? I might have my own soft shackles, but I need this. Exactly. So yep. you can grow it or limit it to the actual needs that you have. And far as when you talked about storage space... I think this is something overlanders, if you're one of those people that literally goes off the grid, this fits probably into something you may want to look at having. As far as space that it occupies and weight, what is that? So the it's, a, it's about 28 inches long, rolled up into our little body bag, uh, and it's roughly 7 by 7. And that holds a dead man. It'll hold uh, several soft shackles. It'll hold a dead loop. It'll hold gloves. So a lot of like the... Um, basic recoveries that you might run into this thing this bag can hold everything you know, for that so one thing we like to promote is that the fact that you can strap this um this bag anywhere you can put it on your roll cage on your roof rack if you need to but it's good to have it uh in or you can put it under a seat but it's it gives you the ability to put it in an accessible place because you know, no recovery is ever a um, mundane thing. It's never a like, oh, ho-hum, this is a, you know, somebody got stuck. Um, sometimes it's like that, thankfully, but other times, like, it's it's kind of a highly intense situation where, you know, you might be on a mountain pass and, like, you start to slide off and you're, you're you got a tire hanging out over a couple hundred feet. Um, you know, serious pucker factor. Like, you want to be able to get out there and, and, and safely um, arrest any further movements and to have quick access to your recovery gear is pretty important in those situations. So it's never something uh, that you really want to fully bury. Now we recommend there's no recovery is unique, right? Or all recoveries are unique. There's no such thing as a um, standard recovery. So having the tools on hand to be able to help and, and uh, in any situation is really important, but it's always good to have something that is um, easily accessible and you can quickly get in there and just to help stabilize a precarious situation. And then you can have more recovery gear. Maybe that's something that's a bit more buried, but you have the time to be able to relax into like, okay, everything is safe. We're all safe. Now let's think this through and how do we get out of the situation? Yeah. Having the ability to have multiple options, a big one. And while you're discussing that, my mind was kind of running, and I'm thinking, you know, if I ran one of these companies that did these technical recoveries where you're looking at two to three different points, 
I absolutely mm-hmm. would probably want to have a couple of these with me to give me more options because a lot of times with those recoveries, your trees aren't in the right place. The rocks aren't in the right place. And should I do this? Am I tying down to another vehicle and anchor that down? Having yep. this, it just opens up your options, I believe, especially when you're looking at inclines, declines. This here absolutely gives you some great opportunity to uh, to look through the problem and feel that, hey, I can make something a little bit more safer because you have the option to do so. This is an amazing product. I love it. So I uh, really appreciate you making it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. You know, it's one of those... It's one of those products that are like relatively simple after you think about it, but it was it was just something that just was born out of an actual need. Like we're just like, well, let's come up with something, you know, that, like that can do this. Like what can do this? You know, there are, there are currently there are anchors on the market that you know they work well, but they tend to be very single use. Like okay, one kind of scenario use, and and for us, it was like, well, we don't have room to carry everything, right? Like we can't get this and that and that and that and carry and, and put it in because like like i said i had four kids at the time or i do still have four kids but at the time they were all in car seats so they i had four car seats in my jeep jk if you think wow about that. there's yes you're there's a good not, man <laughs> <laughs> and and i shoehorned my, my hundred pound lab in there as well so it was um it was very full and um so that was one of the key things, and, and it kind of lends itself well over to the overlanding community as well because they're carrying so much stuff to help sustain themselves out in for long periods of time in the wilderness. Having something that's versatile that would be able to just adapt to the situation you need is pretty key. And like I said, it was you know you're asking seven and a half pounds for the dead man itself, pretty small, lightweight, compact, but it can just get out there and and become what you need when you need it and that's that's really important to have moving that seven and a half pounds having that ability is much better than making that feel expedient using your spare tire you, you, you've seen some of those yeah. things that uh people have done which yeah if you know real need you possibly can do that but they work we've uh, done it man seven and a half pounds all right uh, and your hardest effort is actually digging in hey i'm all yeah. about that so hey uh bryant if people want to find you where would they go to and and how they reach you and where can they purchase this awesome product best place is deadmanoffroad.com super easy to remember and we have everything there we have a lot of information there as well you can you know as you look around the website we have we talk about capacities talk about how to bury it and what kind of depths to bury it because um, that's always a common question like how deep do i need to go there's it always varies one thing i I will say is that if you're burying it and you're not sure, just go a little bit deeper. I'll quickly touch on this, that one of the things that we found when burying it in the, in the sand, six inches deeper makes a lot of difference. We talk about this on our website where we, we actually took a load cell and we actually tested to see how much holding power that we had as we buried it at different depths. Uh, in this one case with 2400 or 24 inches deep, we had about a 2600 pound uh, loading capacity. We buried it to 30 inches. We've got up to 4300 pounds loading capacity. Uh, this is before it actually pulled itself out. So six inches almost doubled your holding power. Like that's not a lot of additional. So you don't have to think about burying it several more feet in order to get the holding power you need. And then to put all that into context, when we were doing this test, the we had um, a, a Toyota Tacoma fully on its belly, right? All the four, all four wheels were just spinning. It took eighteen hundred pounds to recover him. So 
It's not like you need to cut, not you don't need to bury it so that you can hold the entire load of the vehicle, the 5,000 pound truck or 6,000 pound or, you know, however much you need your vehicle weighs. You don't need that entire amount in order to recover. A lot of times it's, it's actually much less. So it's something that to think about because a lot of people ask those questions and it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm all about to go big though. I'm with you. Yeah, go big. Go just dig a little bit deeper to go for beast mode. Deadmanoffroad.com is the best place to go look for us. Uh, we have an Instagram page, which is deadman underscore offroad. And uh, we have a lot of pictures there. A lot of um, we talk about different things as well. So we got a lot of uh, some instructional things on there as well. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. We'll put the information in the show notes. And y'all go check out deadmanoffroad.com. Thank you very much. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news? Then give us a call at the Route 16 Grind Hotline at 919-694-3356. And maybe you will be on our next show. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by C-State Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store. And make the switch to C-State Coffee. Sea State Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery, selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Uh, we're getting good mm-hmm. at this, man. We're getting good. Yeah, even after a two-week layoff. I know, it's crazy. You know, you know what? I think that's what I love about this show too, is there's a realistic approach of hey, we can if we can't make it this week, we will. And I think our listeners understand that. We have lives and we enjoy doing this. I think the big thing too is, you know, you're out there and not just representing you, but representing all hunters when you go to those uh, public forums. For me, when I, unfortunately I couldn't make it last week because, you know, just life happened. We're glad to be back this week. I'm so glad we got to talk, start talking off by uh, started by talking turkey, man. Oh yeah, man. It's about that time. I've uh, I've got a little bit more fishing to do between now and then, but it'll be here before I know it. You know, you know it. the uh, Roanoke River Management Area is opening to striped bass on March 1st, April 30th. Yep. I'm probably taking my oldest son up to that area on Sunday. That is never never fished it. Um, never, I've never fished anything but landlocked stripers. But yeah, man, that that'll be a cool experience. That's one of those. Not species of fish, but that uh, school of fish that runs up the Roanoke River. And I know that area is is highly touted, and the, the folks that fish it love it. Uh, they look forward to this every year, so I know y'all have a good time. Yeah, I've already scoped out a couple areas, and I'm like, I think I got a spot, and, and I got a cooler. I don't have one of those, like, you know, those rolling coolers that people are all professional fishers and got the pole holders and stuff. I'm making mm-hmm. one this week. I'm literally making one. <laughs> so just yeah. for Sunday, I'm like, yeah, I got, I'm ready. I'm going. And the uh, far as like with turkey season, so I'm really, really excited about it because obviously you and I are definitely linking up. For opening day, uh, that first week, you know, obviously being youth week, that on the 4th, I'm looking at taking my son out uh, on a turkey hunt, and I'm really hoping that uh, he's able to get one. I mean, that's one great thing I think I like about uh, at least the season here, and maybe it's like that everywhere. I'm just not educated on it. But that first week, given to the use, uh, part of the R3 effort as well, hey, there's a good chance for success uh, because you don't have all those hunters out there. You're just focused on, and here it's like 16 and below. Typically, that that week um, is it, usually pretty good. A, a lot of times, the, the birds are, are very callable. 
they're not they're not really hinned up at least at least in my experience and especially the experience of my buddies who who actually hunt it i'm typically out scouting and kind of playing with the birds when i'm out on that weekend never really never taking anybody but everybody that i know really likes that weekend and gets to get the kids out and the, the birds are really really callable and they're they're really they're just getting ready to like be wide open the hens don't appear to be quite as receptive so it really is a good time to get out especially you get out with a kid they're going to get their opportunities you know like you said there's no pressure in the woods there's no adults out there it's just the kids and uh it really is they do the same thing during deer season they provide the youth an opportunity to gun hunt during bow season for uh, saturday so they're really doing what they can in the state to get those youth and opportunities to, like for the turkeys, they're not been pressured yet. They're not call shy. Same way with the deer. The deer hadn't been shot at. They're still running around. They're still very patternable uh, during that time when they run that gun hunt. So, so I'm gonna work on my calls when we go out. I mean, literally, he's a natural. Like he can do the. Uh, what am I thinking of? The, the scrape one. What's the one? The dang it. The slate call. Yeah, the slate. Yeah. So does he's really good with that, man. Like, like natural with that. And I I have some work to do to to get up to his, uh, you know, standards. But I'm going to work on those calls when I'm with him. And we had he won. uh, We went to a QDMA event uh, last fall, and he won a guided turkey hunt. So I'm going to try and actually get a hold of the guy that we're supposed to go with. And see if mm-hmm. I can do it on that day too. So all the stars can align, man. <laughs> so I really would love for him to be successful that day. Oh, uh, dude, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it'll it'll ruin his life. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I I'm looking forward to turkey season so bad. But you know we have we have some work ahead of us too, Chuck. So well, one thing I was thinking about. Uh, when you were talking uh, on the outdoor update, I put some notes here. Um, is you know what? What do you think about setting up like maybe a listener update page? Because obviously, you and I naturally are going to talk about North Carolina uh, events or areas and you know things that are looking at uh, for legislation. But what about putting up a, an update page? I could put a tab on the the route 16com and we could put a some type of tab there where I can post things that listeners send us saying, hey, this is what's kind of like a like a call to action uh, that is going on in your state when it's like hunting or off-road or whatever it may be for public land, whatever your activity is, whether your mountain bike, your hike, something that, you know, you want to get people aware or just good, good news that is out there, some successes that are out there. Like I just read today about, I'm not sure if you saw it, but you see in Kentucky, they think they have a... They're, they're considering whether there was like a mountain lion or something that moved all the way from like North Dakota or something, or it's just a new species of, of mountain lion that's out there. And it, I, I got to find the article and then probably shouldn't just start talking about it, but it was a blurb I saw before we started. And I was like, holy cow, man. And this thing's big. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, and, and, and that's totally likely because those things travel. They had... I don't even want to talk about the states because I don't remember exactly all the details. But I know there's a really famous case of one traveling a long way. And he traveled from a state that had mountain lions, obviously, to a state that didn't, somewhere in the Midwest, and then traveled back. Uh, It was was collared mountain lion is how they knew that all this was going on. So they were able to track it. But for some reason, I want to say the state he ended up in was Wisconsin, maybe. Right, but he traveled from a long freaking—I mean, somewhere in the Rockies. So, I mean, there doesn't surprise me at all. Hey, yeah, gotta go where the food's at, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about competition and pressure. If uh-huh. I'm a mountain lion, 
I'm going to where there aren't any and only going back when I need the lady. So <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Um, so far as, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about the, uh, the youth hunting and stuff. So we had what deer and turkey is this was it like that for like all the other big game or what about obviously like small game that is that even a concern i mean yeah of course but the emphasis is really on the the deer and the turkey you know really yeah because i like here we just you get what tag like you get the tags unless you go get the special tags for like bear and bobcat and the duck well, oh yeah you you're going you're a duck hunter now right can call you yep. a duck hunter oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I'm shooting. I'm shooting the first six deer I see next year. Are you? Hey, I tell you what, I def I I saw them. I'm, I'm hoping to have a better deer season this year. I think I'm better prepared. I'm going to go back to that spot. That one, I, I you know, going in, I saw one. Going out, I saw one. I, I'm and mm-hmm. there are two different deer. They're two different bucks. They weren't the right. same one. I, I'm absolutely going back to that spot, man. Absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be better prepared. Uh, I'm gonna have the right uh, setup uh, when I walk in there too. Um, I'm I'm not taking the, that 308. I'm going to come with a different setup. Yep. I'm going to be ready. I'm absolutely going to be ready next time, man. Um, but I I will definitely go out to because uh, I'm close to Fort Bragg and I, I'm licensed to actually go out and hunt on Fort Bragg. I'm going to d- start probably doing some walk out there for turkey. There's a few areas uh, out there, and I have a friend of mine that I work with. He has one area. He hasn't really shared it with me yet, but kind of like, yeah, man, if you ever want to go out and walk that ground, I'm more than happy to go with you. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll see what happens. No, man, that's always, always looking for opportunities to get out, scout, find some stuff. Well, hey, man, let's uh, let's just call it the show there. We, I think we can probably talk about turkey. This is going to turn into a turkey show pretty soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what? I'm telling you right now, guys, wait till the season starts here. And if we and if we're successful, it's the rest of the year. That's all we're going to talk about. Hey, remember when we got that turkey? <laughs> that's all we're going to yep. talk about. <laughs> oh yeah. So, hey, y'all, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, all you have to do is go to root16.com and select contact and let us know your idea. That's root16rootonesix.com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Root 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16, that's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X, or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. I'm good, officer. I'm just burying a dead man. Yeah!